Welcome to Holistic Human Performance Podcast. My name is Jenna Bradshaw, where we talk all things holistic health, wellness, spirituality, fitness, meditation, energetics, and so much more to help you become the healthiest version of yourself. Let's dive in. This is not medical advice. This is simply to help you on your journey through health, fitness, and wellness. I hope this helps. You can complement this with anything that you are doing currently in your life. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Holistic Human Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Bradshaw. And today we have a very special guest, my mother, (laughs) Eugenia Bradshaw. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. You're my first guest. Oh, thank you. I'm honored. (laughs) You're my first child also. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) First child of five. (laughs) So today I really wanted to talk about, because I have the Cancer Fear Freedom Program coming up in February. I wanted to, and you know, this is for people who have battled cancer, who are battling cancer, caregivers, those who may fear uh, being genetically predisposed. I wanted to get a, you know, speak to a legitimate caregiver and who better to speak to than my own mother (laughs) and my dad too. He just couldn't join us. So Why don't you kind of, why don't you kind of introduce, you know, obviously yourself, kind of what you do, and then kind of go into where you were at in life when I was diagnosed with leukemia? Okay. Well, I am the mom of five. That's, you know, my first and foremost. I am co-owner of Bradshaw Personal (laughs) Fitness, which we've been in business. I keep saying over 30 years, but I think it's more like over 35 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, We specialize in sport performance, uh, adult fitness, nutrition, online, um, in-person, nutrition coaching also. Nutrition coaching is just online. I'm also a high school track and field coach, and I've been doing that for about 16 years now. So those are the things that I do, you know, to make a living and that I love to do. As far as where I was and in my life when you were diagnosed with leukemia, it was a, there was a lot going on. You were about three and a half, and I choose not to remember the date because I don't want it to be marked by a date. So I I know it was in January. Um, I had Nicholas. Your brother was uh, under two years old. Yes, it was like because you guys are. Less two than two years, apart, right? yeah, but just less than two years apart. Yeah. Yes, and Rafale was two and a half months old. So, mm-hmm. and why? Well, yeah, definitely mm-hmm. did. And we just bought a house and we were renovating it, so we're living with my parents um, for for I don't know about five or six months. And we had just moved into the house. It was just after Christmas, and we moved into the house and obviously, you know, just having kids is a lot going on, but also with the house and everything, you know, a lot of life changes. I was still, well, I was still working. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, cause I just had Rafali, maybe I took a little, were break. you commuting into the city at that oh, time? God. I was commuting into the city until my fourth child. till I had Anthony Tucker. I remember 
I remember being pregnant with him at eight or nine months pregnant and going up and down the subway stairs. I remember it was on East 53rd Street. I was like, oh, hell no, I cannot do this anymore. So after that, that's when I transitioned to most of my business in, in Long Island. But as far as that, I was... Um, I wasn't coaching at the time, but we, it was Bratz or Personal Fitness. I was doing, uh, you know, small group training, one-on-one, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we just moved into the house and you had not been feeling well for about, I'm going to say six weeks, because I remember specifically Christmas, which we were at Nonis and Nonos, and everybody kept saying, oh, she's so pale. You were, I'm going to say, as white as a sheet of paper. So, yeah, and you also... So for anyone who doesn't know, my mom wrote the foreword to my book, A Survivor Story. <laughs> And when she was describing what I looked like, actually, this is a really great point to touch on because I want parents to understand to really like, like, what is your, what does your child look like? Are they, you know, super pale? I had small bruising, right? Well, yeah, let me go into that because you had been sick for, I'm going to say six weeks and I kept taking you back and forth to the doctor. And I just had you as a parent, as a mom, especially, you just have a sixth sense. I do, you know, with your kids, yeah. you're connected at a different level and you just know something's not right. Something's not right. So now, um, after, after a while going back and forth and you had had a respiratory infection and it would not go away. And my mother, she, who she calls Nani, um, said, uh, the doctor, I brought you to the doctor. They said, okay, I'm going to send you over, which was then Schneider children's hospital, which is now Cohen's medical center. He got the blood work and he said, I'm going to send you over there. So in my head, I'm thinking, oh, maybe she has mono. Maybe there was something, a virus or something like that because he had suspected it finally. And, and sent me over because, um, of her blood work, which your, I mean, your hemoglobin was down to six. And if anybody knows what normal levels are, that's transfusion right then and there. So yeah. how are you even walking? I don't even know. Um, she had petechiae, which is small bruising in odd places, like on your chest, not from just hitting anything. These just because your platelets are really low and your white blood cells are low. So you kept getting infection and it was a respiratory infection that you kept getting. And my mother, because she had a sixth sense said, okay, I'm going to send your brother Ramo over to the hospital with you. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. So I went over to Schneider, Schneider Children's Hospital and they took me into a room and there was about, I don't know, I don't even remember how many, about six or seven doctors sitting there. You were sitting on my lap and Ramo was sitting next to me. And then they proceeded to tell me that you had cancer. And I was like, what? Yeah. You did not obviously expect that. No, 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 no. And, and it's true when they say, when you hear the diagnosis, you go deaf and everything's a blur. I looked yeah. at Ramo and I was like, we were just like, looked at each other and then they're all talking. And I honestly didn't hear a word. All I heard was, can't, I'm like, what that, you know? So it was really like the, the rug is pulled from out under you. I have a two and a half month old. I have a less than two year old. I have you who's sick. Now what happens is you have to stop working because, you know, my main focus is to take care of you. I stopped working, Tucker, you know, your father stopped working. Um, and it was just a whirlwind of, of just, I'm going to say hell because no, as, literally, yeah, it was, it was horrible. You were admitted right there. I'm going to be a little graphic because you had to get a bone marrow aspiration. And I actually had to hold you down because they put what's like a corkscrew into your hip to extract the, the bone marrow to really examine under a, a microscope to find out, to diagnose you. And then it's, it's interesting because as you go along the process and they tell you she has leukemia, I'm like, what the hell? you know, 
And then they tell you the different types, they are CML, CML, AML, all the different types. So you find yourself hoping and praying for the ALL prebeat was, thank God, it was what you had, which is the most curable in children, but not in adults. So mm. it's, it's interesting because I remember my mother telling me when you put all your, all your worries or problems in a pile with everybody else, you always pull out your own. So where I was surrounded with kids with all kinds of neuroblastomas and different types of leukemia, I was praying for the ALL Mm -hmm. and moving forward from there. I mean, you were in the hospital for, I don't even know how long that day you had a metaport because, you know, now it's a life or death situation, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not even going there. I just, just remember just, you you don't even have time to cry. What am I going to do with my my kids? It, It was just, it was pretty horrible. So but luckily we were in a really good place. Yeah, I mean, you're, you must've been like totally out of body. Mm-hmm. It was, it is, you're out of mind, out of body. And you just go into, um, I guess, warrior mode, mom, mama bear mode and, um, focus yeah. on your child. Okay. What do I have to do to get yeah. it better? What do we need to do? And that's, and that's pretty much where my focus was, you know, getting you better and doing whatever we had to do, but it was, you know, it was a long haul, a very long haul and stressful. Yeah. I like, obviously just thinking about this, cause when you're someone, I'm, I was young, obviously, but Green when hair. you're someone who's going through cancer, that journey is much different than the caregiver's journey and all the, the trauma that they go through also. And like, what would, I mean, what are some things that you did to try to keep sane? keep your hopes up, keep faith. Like what were some things that you were doing to just, I think think initially, well, the first thing was, what did I do wrong? Like Mm -hmm. when I was pregnant and that you get that guilt, even though it's not like, what did I do to my child? And honestly, you know, we're in the health and fitness field and you were my first child. And I was very aware about what I was eating, what I was putting on my body. So I was floored. It's like, how could I have done all these things right that I thought, and my daughter, she's three and a half, gets leukemia. That's crazy. You know, breastfeeding, mm-hmm. everything that I could do. So mm-hmm. there's one thing, there's the guilt that you have to think about. Yeah. And then luckily, um, and I've spoken to you about this, we have a very strong support system. So you cannot go it alone. You just can't. It's, I mean, you can if you have to, but it's really good to have a support system. And that support system around you might be people just sit and listen to you, people who um, bring you food, people who take care of your other children. Because if if I didn't have my parents who t- took care of Nicholas and Raffelli, who were two and a half and less than two, I mean, I was still breastfeeding Raffelli mm-hmm. when I, I, I remember breastfeeding Raffelli in the hospital. I mean, pumping my milk and looking at the milk and saying it was like skim milk. I'm like, oh my God, because I wasn't eating and taking care of myself. How could I take care of my child? That's why it's important to have a support system around you. And you get all these different emotions that you go through. Anger, definitely angry. Why my child, why does my child have to go through this? And you need a support system to help you to talk you down from a ledge. And having this happen to your child, your main focus is what do I have to do to help her get better or him get better? But you also have to feed yourself so you're strong enough to do it because frankly, I was hanging by a thread, <laughs> but yeah. I had three kids to take care of. You know, we almost lost the house. We lost insurance. I mean, financially distraught, but 
you know, this was a life-threatening situation and that we had to do this. And like I said, luckily we had Nani and Nono around. We had, you know, we made one and one of your very good friends, Nicole, who's been through cancer twice also. Uh, her mom, because she was ahead of, she was actually, Nicole was six months ahead of you in her treatment. And she's someone who won my first, the first people I met at the hospital, mm -hmm. her husband came into me and Marie, who was one of my best friends said, oh, go, go help them out. Go. <laughs> I found she was busy and Egidio came over to me and talked to me. So they became part of our support system also. You know, so yeah, having really that important. community, even if you are in the hospital and making friends with you know, other parents, other people who are going through the nurses, the other parents, yeah, families who are going through because it's really hard for someone else to understand what you're going through. And sometimes people don't know what to say, but it's not their fault because they're not in your shoes. So sometimes don't fault people for saying or doing things because honestly, it's a really difficult situation. Because meanwhile, say for me, I had you who was supposed to be starting pre-K and I remember this, I, it was so vivid in my mind. I went to CVS and I had to get notebooks. I was supposed to be getting notebooks and stuff for you, supplies for you to go to pre-K, but yet here I was in CVS getting notebooks and, and, and pads or whatever so I could keep track of your blood work. So I knew, you know, keep track of every drug that went into your body. So that was part of my, you know, where I was angry, like, why does she have to go through this? Why is she going through this? Why do I have to watch her suffer? So with that, you need definitely need people to help you cope with that. It's, it's just not easy. It definitely isn't easy. Emotionally, it's not, it's not easy. Yeah. So. I mean, thank God you, you guys were in the health and fitness industry. And, and obviously not everyone's going to be in that industry, but you had a basis, a foundation of, right. okay, keeping your mental strong, keeping your health intact as best as you could, right. you know, with the stress that you had and showing up because I mean, you had no choice. Well, you do like I, and I think so, I told you this. About the other thing. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, she, like you just said, showing up and being there because there was plenty of kids that were there, which was really heartbreaking that, yeah. and I can remember their faces and I remember them specifically that people, the parents just don't show up because it's too much. Maybe they have to work. Maybe they don't have a support system. Like I said, I'm not in their situation. I, you can't judge them. So you watch kids suffer alone. So I always remember visiting them and you become friends with them in the, in the playroom and all that kind of stuff. But you don't know what each family is going through during that time. And so that's another reason why it's really hard. It's really important to have a support system. And the hospital did a very good job of that also because they would have social workers there to help you out too. And you should take advantage of that. You know? Yeah, that's another great point. There are so many resources that are out there for families that are going through caregivers, you know, even if you're going at it alone. I've, I, you know, I know you have seen um, other children go through the process pretty much alone. And I've also like, you know, as a young adult, I've spoken to other um, young adults who were, who was also going through the process alone and they get very, they're very down on themselves. But I believe that if you can be a part of a community, it's, it, it can make the process a little bit better and, you know, they can, can get you through 
Right. And they can help you with other resources, like talking to someone, financial support, um, health insurance, which can be an absolute nightmare, dealing with those different aspects of it so that you don't feel like you have to do it all alone, even though you feel like you are. There are other communities that are out there. I discuss them also in my book, A Survivor Story. You know, you have all these different nonprofit organizations and charities and communities that are specific to your needs. So I highly suggest looking into those if you are, you know, go, a caregiver or you're going through it alone. I think um, there was two, excuse me for interrupting, but there was two which reminded me of because when you have to go to the hospital every day, there's also, you have to pay for parking. There's little things that people don't think of. I don't remember it was 15, whatever it was a day, but when you're there every day, that adds up and you're not working and you, you have to buy food for your family. There is an organization that helped pay for that. I think it was cancer care. I don't, I'm not quite sure if that was it, but there was one. Yeah. Cancer care to help pay for like transportation back and forth to the hospital. Um, There's that we, as far as healthcare, because we're self-employed now, we're not working and we couldn't afford a healthcare. I was able to get you guys, the kids on, um, on, a, uh, it was a, I think Pataki had put it in. It was a healthcare plus or something. So mm-hmm. I healthcare for you. Cause that was not what, what if I, we can't afford healthcare? Oh my God, what's going to happen? So mm-hmm. we got that. I mean, we almost went bankrupt, lost our house. We just moved in, but mm-hmm. luckily we had people who helped us out who had a fundraiser for us. So if you're in that situation and people do want to do that for you, don't, it, it, no one wants charity. No one likes to take charity, but sometimes you're in a position where you need it. And what you can do is you pay it forward later on down the road. You, you pay Which it forward. Is yeah. what you did. <laughs> yeah. So you have, like I said, someone had a fundraiser for us, which enabled us to pay our mortgage. So it, it, there's, there's, there's things that you don't want to accept, but I think that you have to, because it's to keep yourself alive or it's to keep your child alive, you know? So definitely let people do what, and if they ask you, and there's something that you need that because people don't know what to do. Oh, it'd be great if you cooked dinner, you know, or it'd be great if you just watched my kids or I could use a ride to the hospital. I'm just so tired. I can't drive, you know, things like that. It's, I mean, it's, I might get emotional, but it's so um, yeah. exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Mentally and physically, you know? And luckily, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you don't remember a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, things, things come up during different stages in life because I've, um, you know, now adults, but they were going through pediatric, um, you know, yeah. cancer. And um, they've also said like, throughout life, like these different developmental stages, like memories will come back and I've definitely experienced that. So that's normal for people who are on the other side. Um, even, even caregivers, like memories will come up for you. (laughs) And, but this is where we need to be able to work through those traumatic experiences. Oh, yes. I mean, like if you're holding on to that, I mean, think, think about how many years later where you're just like, yeah. oh, like I'm carrying so much baggage and it totally disrupts your life, every facet of your life, like literally every aspect of your life. 
And I mean, can I give you an example? Yeah. So, I mean, when you, it was like a five-year journey of the chemo on and off when you're too sick, you can't get it. And then I'm going to, I'm going to tell you two stories. One is that after the fact, um, I think I was, I was, Annalisa, I had Annalisa. Yeah. After all of that, I can't remember, but, um, after the fact, you know, after your chemo and, and then the first, you know, five years or the first year is really important because you go back for a lot of testing. And after you get past that first year of uh, bone marrow aspiration is like to telltale sign because then your chances of relapse are, are much, much lower. And right. then after you get past the five year, you know, it's even lower. It's like, it's like, you know, is as if you have the same chance of getting it as anybody else. So, but right after that, that's when I started, I got an anxiety attack. I never had an anxiety attack. I remember I got, I was, my heart was racing this. I ended up in the hospital a couple of times. It's like, what the hell? And it was all of that. It was all the stress aftermath. that I keep it. Aftermath, it was like PTSD. Yep. And it was just so much. And one time in particular, which was really, really difficult for all of us as a family, you were very, very sick. You were, I don't know, it was in the first six months of it and you became septic and you were- yeah. <laughs> I, I might've told you this. I, I'm, I'm sure. I think you, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I'm not all the gory this. details, but anyway, so you were septic, you got a fever. If anybody doesn't know what sepsis is, it's, it, what it is, is an overwhelming infection in the body. And because when you're going through chemo, you're immune compromised. So it starts to shut down your organs and, and, and it can kill you. Not only really like from the chemo, but from that. So you were very sick. You were at 104 fever. I think by the time you got into the, you were in, um, what do you call, uh, you were in the hospital and then you were in the NICU, the, the uh, intensive care unit. Um, your blood pressure was like 40 something over 30. And I'll never forget this. There was like doctors lined up and you were in the bed and I didn't even cry. And I remember you still had your pacifier. <laughs> the oxygen thing. I needed something. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to take that away from you too. Your whole childhood was yanked away. Right. So I just went up to your bed and I was just watching. And I remember Noni, Nona was there, her grandfather, Aunt Lucy was there, Uncle Ramo was there. My brother has a very, very strong faith. Uh, and I just whispered in your ear and I, you know, had a, felt a strong connection with the Blessed Mother. And I just said, Jenna, and I just felt her presence. I said, you're going to be okay. You just need to fight. And I felt her presence right there. And then, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't cry. I, I was just, and we weren't, the worst thing was we were not allowed to stay in the ICU with you because you had to be at 11. So we had to go over to, which is an unbelievable organization, the Ronald McDonald house, another unbelievable organization where you can stay. So you don't have to leave the hospital. It's right next to the hospital. And I remember it was, and I had your stuffed animals with me. I, cause your, she has a, uh, her uncle, Greg, one of her guardian angels who took very good care of her and us while we were going through this, gave her all these stuffed animals because she loved animals. And I had one, it was the, uh, Do, uh, uh Do, Dalmatian dog. And I oh my had, gosh, it, yeah, Dalmatian. yeah, I remember. And I, <laughs> and I had that with me and the phone rang and you were on the edge of which way, you know, it was going to, which way it was going to go. And it was one o'clock in the morning, the phone rang and they called me. I said, please call me because I wasn't allowed in. And they said, looks like she's going to be okay. She took a turn the right way. <laughs> Hallelujah. So right there is where I had my faith. I just, my unwavering faith. 
I didn't break down. I just like, I just prayed so hard. My brother was praying, my father, like it was just, we were on pins and needles. And if I did, I, I feel like if I didn't have that, whatever you're, whoever you pray to, whatever your other power is, you need something like that because it's sometimes it's just too much to bear. I remember feeling like I wanted to just get out of my skin and run, get out of my body because it was just too much to bear. But they called me and they told me you were going to be okay. And if I didn't have my faith, I didn't have my family and that, I, I don't know, you know, would I have done it? Maybe because it's my child, but it's sure to made a heck of a lot harder. And then I was, I'm going to talk about the Ronald McDonald house. I had when I don't when I'm stressed I can't eat it just it's not <laughs> even though yeah, my some fun. people are like that some people yeah I was some so people skinny just don't eat. yeah and if I ate I was just it was my my father would force feed me like bring me pasta he's Italian in the restaurant business so he's always trying to feed me but whatever so I had not eaten and we were at the Ronald McDonald house and the next day I was there and they have high school kids who um, volunteer there at the Ronald McDonald house and I remember sitting down and they were serving lasagna. And I just remember that's when I just completely broke down, like hysterical. <laughs> These poor kids serving lasagna, trying to eat. I was like, I just didn't want to eat. And it was just, I was just like letting everything out. And I called one of my friends, Marie, whose daughter had gone through this and then even worse after that, but she's good also. And I just tell her, I was just, she goes, okay, you need to snap out of it right now. She goes, if I were there, I'd slap you in the face. She's okay. All right. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta snap out of it. And move. Okay. okay, Maria. Okay, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> so I was by myself, you know, in the Ronald McDonald house, but I had, you know, resources like that place. And then one of my, you know, my best friends just who, who knew what I was going through. Cause she had been there and just like, okay, snap out of it. You need to be there for your daughter. Move on. We'll get over this. And then, and then some, okay. Until the next hurdle. So if I didn't have those things in place, and at the time you don't even realize it, you know, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just really, really difficult, really difficult, you know? So you have to go through one step at a time, take care of what you need to take care of medically at hand, be an advocate for yourself or whoever, you know, you're taking care of, have family members, friends, organizations. If you don't have that organizations to help you have you know, meditation, like all the meditating that you do, or, uh, you know, your religion you or whatever, you need form. something, you need yeah. some form. Yeah. Because, you know, I've spoken to number one, a lot of caregivers and a lot of cancer survivors yeah. and, you know, I've, they've mentioned like, oh, I don't even want to open Pandora's box. And it's like, you have to, like, you have to work through this stuff because, you will see a pattern. You also can get sick yourself. Like if you hold on to those really, really like oh, 100%. emotions, you will get sick. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. And that's like why we're really talking about this because yeah. the importance of number one, vocalizing, being able to speak about it and being like, yeah, it's okay. Like we get emotional. Like that's part of it. Like you but gotta, so but sometimes Janet, it's really painful. Yes. Really, really painful. Yes. It brings you back. There's a lot of, like, even that whole time when what I just told you about, about you being in the ICU at a very pivotal moment of which way, what was going to life or death, which way I was going to go. 
that I did not want to revisit ever. Like, you know, my father would bring it up. Oh, I rem- I'm, I'm like, I, it was just, <laughs> you know, him, he tells, he still talks about it. My grandfather <laughs> still talks about it. <laughs> and, and, and it's just so hard. It's so emotional. It's, it's, it's because you don't want to feel that feeling again. And I'm able to somewhat talk about it. Do I like to No, but it's, it's really, it's, it's painful because, but I'm very, also very thankful. I'm also very thankful that what we had and, and, and you're here. And the other thing I'm going to mention, because I, you know, have other kids is that when you were sick and then, you know, I also had uh, Annalisa and Anthony Tucker, you're afraid that they're going to get what you had. I had Nicholas, the fear, fear. you know, I, I, at the time I'll never forget. This This is another one of my lowest moments. You were in the hospital. I don't remember who it was failure, and someone got sick and I had to go to the hospital and they needed a spinal tap because they had they thought they had meningitis. Actually, Nicholas ended up one. He did have meningitis. Thank God it was viral and he was okay. But I think it was Rafale and he was, you know, three, four months old. And here I am in the hospital in the ER and he's in a crib and you're in the other hospital. And I was like, I almost collapsed physically. I was like, maybe I wasn't supposed to have kids. And all these crazy thoughts go through your head. Crazy thoughts. I wasn't, um, you know, every, so many things like that. Every time someone gets sick, it's like, it's a reactive thing. Oh, someone, they're going to get cancer. That's what, that was one fear. Every, oh, my kids are going to get cancer. So, but that's not abnormal to think like that, but you do have to work through it because yeah. not everything is going to blow up on your face. Not everything is going to be tragic. Not everything is going to be horrible. You can get a cold and you get over yeah. it, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Th- those are the feelings that kind of erupt. And after the fact, not, you know, at that, like that moment, but then they, you, you push them down and they stay with you. And like you said, if you don't do something about it, it's going to comes out as anger or bitterness or never look, always being afraid and never looking the good stuff in life or never experiencing the good stuff in life, which is not a good way to live. And that breeds more sickness and mental issues and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, the healing journey is everyone goes on it at different times, different. It doesn't mean it's going to happen right after you go through this traumatic experience, because also sometimes when you go through really traumatic experiences, you, your, your ego really is like, no, 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 we're not going to deal with this right now because she, he or she is not at the time or place to deal with this right now. So, you know, like you going through, um, the fear of, one of us getting sick or, you know, the panic attacks, like that, those are the things that anger, anger is a big thing. Lots of anger. You know, these are the things that can happen post the traumatic experience. Um, The other thing that happened initially, like, you know, like when you hear people complain about stupid things, like I'll say stupid things and you say, seriously, you know, seriously, but you shouldn't, we shouldn't judge because right. it's all relative. So, but that is another feeling like, are you kidding me? You complain about your nail that just broke when, you know what I mean? Right. So, so if you're on the outside, this is a good point for someone who wants to help somebody and not that it's not wrong to complain. We all complain about things, but if you're trying to help someone who is going through that, just be a little bit more sensitive to those issues because they're in a space where that's not important. And if they hear you complain about that, it might set them off and trigger them. 
they might trigger them, might trigger them because there were plenty of things that triggered me that I look back at, like someone cutting me off on the road or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's yeah. another thing for someone on the who is it who is helping someone go through a particular situation. Yeah. You know? It's really also just a matter of practicing like gratitude and just being like, ah, like I'm alive. <laughs> yeah. Or like for little things when I was, you were in the thick of it. If your, if your blood counts were good. I'll yeah. Like, yes. Oh my God. Yes. Her, you know, we're over a thousand ANC. What has to do with, with something that has to do is a number about your immunity. We can go out in public or, you know, or we'd make, take you to the beach or something because you love the beach and you still love the beach and we all do love the water or I remember you know taking you there and being thankful that you could just get a little bit of that or when you were able to go to school because in kindergarten you know we still had to be careful you're were immune compromised and yeah. I found a school a Quaker school that had 12 people in the class right and yeah, I still remember that school it was so yeah fun. and wonderful teachers and we got financial aid because if you didn't go to a school like that, I couldn't send you to public school because there was way too many kids. I couldn't even send you back to St. Bridget's where the other kids were because there still was too many kids and they were wonderful with us also. So yeah. thankful. Oh my God, she's in school. You know, yeah. she's, she gets to do something normal, experience normalcy as a right. child because you feel like your child, everything is taking, taken away from them and why her? So we have to appreciate the little things and it's a new normal. and. Hopefully that that passes and we get back to what we consider, you know, a normal, healthy life. Right. The transition after. Yes. The big and transition. Normal. Right. Like normal getting back to society and like, you know, trying to figure out, all right this is where we're at. This is how we're going to do it. And we just, I'm tossing the rest up, like just having faith and taking it one step at a time, taking it one step at a time. I mean, you know, at one point, right. Like I wasn't even able, like, it's just ironic. I wasn't able to read at one point and now I'm an author. So it's like really ironic. Yeah, how, that is like, funny. Like, I, out. I think it was second grade. They said system repat out of someone told me, uh, we might have to keep her back. She can't really read. I was like, that, see, those things didn't bother me. I could care less. I'm like, she'll eventually, you couldn't like tell time or you couldn't, that's right. We can get you a good watch yeah. or use a calculator. And the emotional, yeah. Yeah. the emotional journey for kids who go through that is, is different also because I remember your doctor, Jamie, who we called her, um, would say, you know, there's, and she told us about it. There's going to be a big emotional adjustment, but I, I, I didn't care because first of all, you know, you spoil the child or you, because that's what you have to give them some kind of pleasure, you know, oh, you got a finger stick. We're going to go to the, the gift shop and, you know, spend money well, or whatever. I remember you need. the gift shop. <laughs> yes. Yes. So there was a lot of that. And then, but when you get back into your everyday life and you have five kids, you can't do that. You can't indulge every little whim. So that was right. a big thing trying to get you not to realize that you're not getting everything you want now. Uh, okay. Right. You know, we're getting, we're getting you back into the real world and that's not how the real world works. So that's an adjustment. And in the whole dynamics of the family, that's an adjustment. There's so many adjustments. So people definitely have to realize it's, it's, it's stages that we go through, you know, the initial 
shock of everything, anger, adjusting to it, your new normal, and then on the other end, coming out, and how are we going to come out of it? And what kind of support do we need? Emotional, you know, physical, you want to get yourself back physically, back to your own health, because your health definitely is neglected when you're taking care of someone else, and you do the best you can. And me being in the health and fitness field, you know, I didn't, I didn't gravitate towards liquor or smoking, or I never did that. So why would I start now? You know, always gravitated towards healthier food. So when I did eat, it was that. Uh, yeah. That was probably the only time in my life where I didn't exercise regularly because I couldn't, and I honestly didn't have the energy. So when we were at the hospital for long periods, I would make sure just to go outside and just take a breath of fresh air. Like being in a hospital 24 seven, it's really important just to get out and get some sunshine and breathe some air, something like that. Something as simple as that can help you. You know, sleep is tough because when you're sleeping in the hospital on a hard chair and, you know, doctors and nurses are coming in all night, you don't get, you don't get sleep. So you try and, you know, take naps or do little things, little to to rejuvenate yourself, just even, you know, a shower or something like that, you know, would help you. Oh, I feel so much better. It's interesting because when you're going through all that and you're stressed physically, emotional, emotionally, in every which way, if you find something simple to bring you some joy, it can help rejuvenate you just a little bit to get through the next hour, the next day, whatever it is. Yeah. So we all find ways to deal, but we definitely do need support systems. Totally. And this is why I decided to start the Cancer Fear Freedom Program, because there's so many layers to, you know, the topic of cancer, going through cancer, the, uh, you know, the, the other side of the spectrum of being a caregiver and then the actual cancer survivor going through the battle. And I wanted to really bring to light the first off gratitude towards the caregivers and how much they sacrifice and what they you know, have to do in order to step up to take care of their loved ones who is going through this traumatic event. And, you know, it's really a life or death situation. So we have to practice these small habits, gratitude, taking care of ourselves as best as we can, getting involved in community, asking for help, being able to receive help, these small things that can help you in the long run. You know, Jenna, when we compare, because what we went through the first time was really, uh, you know, horrific. It was, and there's always worse, but you know, uh, it was really, really difficult for us, for you, for us as a family, for everybody around. But then you got, you know, the thyroid cancer, which was down the road when you were 20. But interesting enough, when that did happen, it made me, well, thank God. What I thought was this, well, thank God it's contained. Thank God we don't have to go through chemo. Thank God. You know, it wasn't, it was horrible. It was not great. I don't want to see my child go through any other suffering. And I was like, what the, what the, you know, again, are you freaking kidding me? Why, why this? And then you know, you start to blame them, well, she will the other drugs and, you know, then you can start to think that way too. Well, it's probably, you know, maybe from all the x-rays that she got, well, what are you supposed to do? 
you yeah, can't, we can't go back. You, you can't go back and there's nothing. And that's what I was given to me at that time to help save your life. So that's what you're going to do. So you have no choice. So you can't feel guilty about that. But the gratitude that I did have, because I was like, okay, well, you know, first they said it was, you know, it was cancer. Then the doctor said, oh, it wasn't because there's a thing with thyroid cells. They look very similar to normal. Yeah, cancer, they, so it's hard to mm-hmm. differentiate. And in fact, it was like over four centimeters. So it was quite large. As the doctor said, did mom not see this in her neck? I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I didn't notice either. I was lifting very heavy. I was competing yeah. in track and field. It's not like it was like a lump. It was no, just, it was, just it was like a of, of your neck. And I thought, oh, the hand cleans, the parents, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, but my point being is that if I compare them to, if I compare that to what we went through the first time, I was like, okay, all right. So they'll take it out. Luckily, and luckily, this is the other thing. We went to an incredible doctor because I truly believe if we went anywhere else, they probably would have taken your entire thyroid out. You're young and you don't want to be on medication if you don't have to. So they took out half your thyroid and you only need about a third of your thyroid to function and you still got half and it's functioning quite well. So we were very blessed to, to have a connection or to have another, you know, a person who can help us there support to get us a really good doctor, which we did to help you through that. So again, we still had our support system. And so I had the support system and I was very thankful, or we were thankful as a family that, okay, we have this, it sucks. You go through the trauma and you go through the, are you freaking kidding me? And then you accept it. And then thankful that it's not like something that it was before, you know? You know, so, I mean, you still had to go through the surgery and there was definitely, you know, a recovery, but I was thankful. Okay. We're good. We're good. She's going to be okay. Yeah. So those are the other things when you've been through that, you, you compare and you say, okay, well, I got this when you go through something tough. Yeah. Again, it's practicing gratitude and just being really thankful for what we do have. And, you know, these small moments where it's like, okay, I'm going to be good. And I wasn't, you know, maybe subconsciously, I was fearful of a cancer reoccurrence, maybe like throughout my teenage year, like subconsciously, like I didn't think about it, but on a subconscious level, I was like, probably very fearful of a cancer recurrence. And, you know, I have some theories on probably what happened, you know, after that, again, like I, it's kind of like we all had to go through the healing together too. Like I have my own healing, you know, you have your own healing, my dad. I'm still scarred. (laughs) It's it's very traumatizing. But again, this is why we have to, you know, when we're ready, obviously that is when the time to work on your own stuff and go through the healing. And, you know, it's not easy. Like it's really not easy. The healing is not easy. The emotional healing is very challenging, especially after, you know, all of these vivid emotion, vivid memories and emotions. And you're like, Oh, like, I don't want to feel this again, but really like your body wants to get rid of it. And your body is just like, please let this go. Drop the baggage again, takes time. And it's when we're ready. Because we have triggers like like noises. Still to this day, you know, the beep, beep, beep of the hospital. Sets you off. Yeah, I just, I don't like to, that freaks me out. But, and that's just something. And it could be anything, a smell or whatever that you associate with something that had happened in the past. And that happens to be mine. 
So, or smell like the hospital smell, it just, it brings me back and I, I just can't help that. Although now I'm able to talk about things or I can, if someone's going through something, you know, I'm able to, to help them out from my experience. I actually did, I don't know, it's a children's medical fund. They, we had uh, lunches, they had luncheons, which were, you would go around and talk about your experience to help other women. So I did that, which actually helped my journey or getting involved with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society that helped my journey. Father and I did coaching for the, uh, for the, for the half marathon. I held a, you know, a, a pasta party at the house. You were the poster child for that. Those types of things helped us heal when you can reach out and you do something for somebody else. I think that that's also important because you realize it's not just me. There's other people because there's no worse feeling when you're going through something so traumatic and you feel alone and you feel yeah. alone. So yeah. we knowing there's other people going through things like you're going through and being able to talk about and, and getting support, it, I think is really important. And especially yeah. as a mom, because being a mom is really, it's, it's tough. It's, you know, you, you're in charge of other human beings, really, and everything that they do. And when one of them gets sick and you got to take care of them, you have to pull, not only you have to take care of them, but you have to, you have to feed yourself emotionally, physically in order to help them heal. And sometimes that's not easy. And as moms, we don't always do that. So that's why it's important to reach out and feed ourselves physically, emotionally, spiritually. So we're able to do that type of thing. And knowing that you're not the only one, you're not alone. There are other people out there that are going through so, as something as traumatic as this. Yeah, definitely. Definitely helps. So reach out to other people, try and take care of yourself, be thankful, be, you know, be grateful. Don't be afraid to stand up for yourself, your medical, you know, be medically savvy as best you can educate yourself because especially today, your health is in your own hands. If you're not happy with what the doctor says, reach out for a second, third opinion. You know, I know we did. And Always. yeah, so that's really important because that can change the outcome. So don't, don't be afraid to, to get, to get help that way also, you know. Amazing. Any words of wisdom? I know the, those were words of wisdom, but any, <laughs> anything else you would like to add? Everybody's different. Everybody feels things, handles things differently. Some people may look completely fine on the outside, but inside they're just crumbling. Some people may be crumbling on the outside, but that's how they handle things. So everybody, just because one person does it one way doesn't mean you have to do it that way. Doesn't mean that, and it doesn't mean that you have to handle things alone, but reach out when you need it. Try your best. It's really hard to help take, to take care of yourself because honestly, in that moment in time, and I can specifically remember feeling that way, you do not care about yourself at all. You do not like your sole purpose. Everything about you goes out the window. You'll go without sleep, go without food and adrenaline and, and, and mama bear instinct is very, very strong. You will do whatever it takes to get your child better. So you put yourself at the back burner, but how long can you do that for? Because if you fall apart, then at the end of the day, you're not there for your child. You're not there for your family or whoever you're taking care of. So that's really important is to take care of yourself, 
accept help. And if someone asks you what you need, be specific. Say, oh, could you watch my kids? Or I just need a minute, I just need a nap or, or just a meal or something so I don't have to cook for the family, something like that. Just be specific because honestly, people would love to help. People, they want to help you, your friends, your family, they want to do things, but sometimes they don't know what to do because they're not in that situation. They don't know what the right, they're afraid to say the wrong thing. You know, they don't know what's right. They don't know what you're feeling. So, you know, those are some, I think some things I learned also. Yeah. Speak up and tell them what you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Amazing. Thanks so much for coming on. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> the journey, so, the journey continues. <laughs> the journey continues and I'm really excited. Um, my mom will also be a special guest in the cancer fear freedom program to, you know, talk about her journey and give advice to the, you know, people who are in, in the program as a caregiver and enrollment is open. You can check it out on my website, holistichumanperformance.co. And let's look where this journey has taken you. I mean, it's amazing. It's freaking amazing. Like all the years and, you know, some people would just walk around. Oh my God, I'm going to get cancer. What what happened? Why me? This, no, you went through your journey, going through your journey and you're choosing to help others and, and, and use your voice and what you've lived and your experience and finding out, you know, being true to yourself and your health and your mind and everything, which is pretty amazing. So, I mean, I learned from, you know, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, you, uh, you and my dad, AKA her husband, Tucker, they, my parents really set me up for success in terms of like, I remember when I was, I, I was involved in nonprofit organizations at a very young age and giving back at a very young age. I remember at age 13, I was giving a speech in front of George Ross from the apprentice and like a hundred businessmen and women. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Oh my God. Remember that? My mom made me do it. (laughs) First, originally when they had asked me to speak, I was like, okay. It was like a thousand people. What's it on me? So no, well they, no, Jenna, they asked me and I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Because when I had to speak about my journey or what, you know, to help others, I was okay. Cause it was my story and it, it wasn't that hard. So it's like, I can do this and it's to raise money. It's for a good cause. And then when they asked me, well, what about Jenna? Without, without missing a beat, she'll do it. She'll do it. So I'm like, Jenna, um, by the way, you're going to, you know, speak in front of a few people. Yeah. So she had someone helped you with your speech and you, you know, wrote it out and everything. Yeah. Um, Aunt Louisa. Oh yeah. 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 It was a teacher. Yeah. So she, I said, can you help us? So she helped her write this was her story. She just helped her, you know, with the grammar or whatever, because she was only 13. And we go into Cipriani's downtown in the city, right? No, 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 no. That was when I was 16. When I was 13, it was at oh, Eisenhower yeah, yeah. Park. Oh, yeah, that was nothing. <laughs> that was a small the one. one uh, guys, mm. I wrote about these Wait. stories in my book, A Survivor Story. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I oh, this was, was so 16 fun. years old. Oh, that's right. Okay. I was 16. 
I literally had no clue what was going on. That's the one they asked me to speak at. Yes, that, that's what I was that talking about. That was the one to. at Cipriani's. Six, yes, I bought you a cute little outfit, remember? In New York City. <laughs> yeah, I blacked out. I don't even remember what I was wearing, to be honest with you. Cute light blue aqua. Did we have any pictures? Do we have any pictures? We got to Oh, yeah, them. I got pictures. Yeah, I, we walk into this place, Cipriano's, and there was over a thousand people. Now, there was these huge uh, screens. Melania Trump was Wait, there. Wait, we walked, no, we walked in. And Melania Trump walks by us. Yeah. And Jen, I was like, okay. And she's like, I'm not doing this. I'm like, oh yeah, you are. Oh yeah, you are. Pull yourself together. Here I am, the mother of a like, cancer survivor being such a hard ass. I was like, yeah, you're doing this. Let me tell you something. Let me say, let me tell you. She went up there and spoke. Now, uh, who was the, who was the, um, uh, Ray Romano was there. He was Ray there. Romano, um, Elvis Costello, Elvis Costello. There. they were playing music. And it was always, you know, when you go to fundraisers, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of chatter, people drinking, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's all adults. So then Jenna comes up, you could hear a pin drop, a pin drop. She got up there, didn't stutter, didn't, didn't skip a beat. Everybody stopped. And there's these huge screens all around. I was like, Oh my God, what did I do to her? But yeah, it was great. But all, I, <laughs> all I remember, number one, when I when I walked in and I saw those five plasma screen TVs and like the stage, I was I looked at my mom. I was like, I'm not doing this. She's like, Oh, you're doing it. You're here. You're doing it. And I was like, oh. It's time to get and back. Then, <laughs> yeah. And then it honestly, it, I mean, I'm so glad yeah, that of course. you pushed me to do that because now I do speaking. Mama and write, knows best. Mama knows yeah, best. Yeah, <laughs> mama knows best. And then I remember like truly, I don't know about anybody else that's listening, but like sometimes I will like black out and not remember specific events. Like if I'm like truly like beyond nervous, like out of body experience, nervous. And I was so nervous. Like I barely remember that night. I barely remember get, I don't remember speaking. I just remember seeing my face. Like I can picture what you know, the audience like looked like it was like bottom level, top level. There's a lot of people there. They raised was a, a lot of money too. They raised a lot of I money. I think it was over a million dollars. Oh, it was definitely over a million. And I remember going into the bathroom afterwards with I you. remember this. The woman? Oh, wait. I remember this. What? We went into the bathroom and the woman told you what, oh my God, that was incredible. Remember that? I remember that. I said, see Jenna, see Jenna. Yep. I remember meeting Ray Romano. Yep. Yep. I remember that. Yep. Yep. yep that was yep. cool. So listen, guys, there were some really shitty moments in life that we had to go through, but I will say we live an amazing life. We've been able to give back and prosper and do what we love and give back, like help other people get healthy and kind of be that guiding light to other people who are going through these really, really traumatic events, these tough health adversities. And we're able to coach and guide them through, you know, these, these tough times. So it, you know. Yeah. I'm going to say that because of all of this that I've gone through or we've gone through it has given me definitely a, uh, a sensitivity or an empathy. I have like, and I tell Jen, I have my superpower is empathy, maybe to a fault. My best quality, my worst quality, especially with kids. I'm very empathetic with kids and when they're going, and I can kind of sense when they're going through things. And I think that's what helps me be such a good coach 
is that the empathy that I have for kids. I just have a, like, I can just sense something, not only like the physical, but the mental, especially teenagers and having had, you know, five teenagers also doesn't hurt, but, and then being in that and being in the health and fitness field, knowing the importance of, of health and fitness of, of, especially, you know, as we get older, taking care of ourselves physically, mentally, feeding ourselves properly, and then working with other people and watching what they're doing, you know, and trying to help them on that path, because what you do when you're younger ends up, you know, having an effect when you get older. So I think everything that we've been through helps us to be better at what we actually do for a living. And it's, it's a, it's not do for a living. It's a, a love or of what we're meant to do and it's to help people physically, mentally, you know, be the best that they can be, you know, just excellence in health and wellness, the best that we can be. Is it perfect? No, it's never perfect. Are you going to fall off? Yeah, you're going to fall off. But we try and take everything that we've learned and we help others. And I definitely think that journey has made a huge impact on what we do to help others. Tenfold. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. (laughs) Okay. Well, that was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on as my first guest. (laughs) Um, Thank you for being my first daughter. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, so guys, again, like I said, um, actually mom, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram at BP fit coaching at coach Brad's at coach Bradshaw underscore coach Bradshaw four. I can't really remember now. Coach. There's an coach, underscore in there. There's somewhere. an underscore coach Bradshaw four. um, yeah. uh, on Instagram, we have our website, BP fit, uh, uh, bpfit.com where you can find all the information about everything we do, you know, um, focusing on, on performance, nutrition, just excellence in health and wellness. We, we do one-on-one training, small group training, uh, performance training with, with speed training. Now we have your brother coming in as a performance coach, a hell of a performance speed coach, go Rafale. Um, so we're, you know, the complete package, I think. And, and what we don't know, we can also, and then we have you helping out with the, you know, the, the mental and the meditation and helping people heal emotionally with everything that they've been through to help them be the best that they can be physically, because it's all your, your mind dictates what your body does. So you need to be whole and you need to work on all aspects of that as a human. Absolutely. It's all connected. Yes. So good. So guys, if you really like this episode, like, share, subscribe, you can find all of my information at holistichumanperformance.co. I'm also on Instagram at holistichp or my personal account at Jenna B. Shaw, which is G-E-N-A-B-S-H-A-W. And if you are interested in the Cancer Fear Freedom Program, please feel free to reach out. If you have any questions, class will start February 13th. And that's all I got for you all. So I will talk to you soon and in the next one. Bye.